You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. And welcome inside to newest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Today we have another special guest. Today we have Connor Galloway of the University of Houston and Memorial Hermann D1 Sports Fellowship. Connor, welcome in. Hey Chase, man. Happy to be here. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's been a while. We've been trying to get this scheduled out, so I'm very happy to be able to talk to you. So for those who are listening who don't know who you are, Give a little bit of uh, an introduction of yourself and tell people a little bit more about you. Yeah, absolutely. So I am uh, originally from Jackson, Mississippi, Um, you know, probably one that you'll never interview anybody else from Mississippi. So um, that may be the first (laughs) one there for you. Um, So I uh, did my undergrad at Ole Miss um, and then went on and got my master's in exercise physiology um after that and then got my pt at william carey university in south mississippi um worked for a year um after i did uh, my dpt um decided i wanted to do a little bit more and went back and did my sports residency um at memorial herman here in houston texas um and then was um chosen to do the division one sports pt fellowship um through memorial herman but more so um, with the University of Houston um, Athletics Department. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Uh, you know, happy to be here and happy to answer some questions. So, you know, you've been on this journey. You went through residency. You're going through a fellowship right now. So you obviously love sports. But, um, you know, what got you involved or, you know, what drew you into sports PT in the first place? Yeah. So, you know, all through school, um, I actually wanted to go to med school. PT school was the last thing that I actually wanted to do. Um, I was thinking med school all the way through. And then my senior year of my undergrad, I decided maybe that's not what I wanted to do. Um, and so um, based off my degree, I just went on and did a, a ex- master's of exercise physiology. Um, I had a passion for kind of sports performance testing, was doing a lot of VO2 testing and um, ended up getting a full-time job through some family connections at a PT clinic and worked as like a PT tech full-time while I uh, was doing my master's. Um, and the clinic that I was at in, in Madison, Mississippi uh, was um, Mississippi Sports Medicine and Madison Performance Therapy. And we did a lot of um, testing and rehabilitation on Division One athletes getting ready for combine and then did a lot of um, Major League Baseball players coming back into town um, after the season to do more training. And we just got to work with these guys and I fell in love with that aspect of it. And, um, you know, decided that physical therapy was the route that I wanted to go. Um, you know, most like everybody else, obviously I I played sports growing up, battled injuries. Um, my self included, uh, you know, I, my career, um, with baseball ended when I was a junior in high school and I actually sustained a, a spinal fracture and, was no longer um, able to play. And so, you know, that was always in the back of my mind of I never wanted athletes to go through what I wanted, what I went through. I wanted to be able to get these guys where they can finish their career, whether it's through high school or continue on to college. I wanted them to, you know, be able to embrace 
the challenges of sports and be able to live out their dreams if that's what they wanted to do. And sports PT met me right in the middle of where I wanted to be. And yeah, you're right. I, I absolutely love sports. I love the journey. Um, and it very thrilled to be doing what I'm doing. Right. And, you know, tell us a little bit more about that journey. So after you, you said you worked for a little bit. Um, so what in particular drew you to uh, Houston or Ironman Herman's uh, residency? Yeah. So um, when I was doing research with um, residency stuff, I couldn't decide what I wanted to do, what avenue of residencies I want to do. There's a lot of different avenues out there. You can go more research based. You can go more didactic based. You can go residencies that are more training room driven, or you can do some that are even more mentor driven. They have online and virtual and you know mixed hybrids. Memorial Hermann is a special place. Um, it's a lot of incredible, incredible um, therapists and a lot of outstanding opportunities um, for you to learn and grow. And um, you know we had it's kind of mixed. We have a lot of great didactic material. Um, and then we had some great experience where you could cover a, um, you know, a 6A high school in Texas, which is a really crazy. 6A football in Texas is real. Um, and then, you know, had the opportunity to cover a Division One sports football and baseball team um, as well as that. You know, and, um, you know, I still was able to do um, clinical time and learn. But, you know, I was able to do a lot of research, too, which was a big thing for me. I wanted to be able to get my feet wet into research. And um, Lane Bailey, the director of research at Ironman Sports Medicine, um, does a fantastic job of getting us residents in and letting us kind of choose what we wanted to do out of a hand-picked kind of ideas that he has in place. Um, I think one of the things Memorial does well is the residents don't just pick up where everybody left off. Um, the years before we have um, the ability to kind of do individual research and kind of tailor it to what we want to do. And so um, I actually have a manuscript hopefully coming out in the next couple of months um, on ACL reconstruction with bone bruises. And so, you know, that should be a, should be a good one for people to read in the future. But um, you know, all of Memorial Hermann is tailored towards a lot of ACL reconstruction. The head physician is Dr. Walter Lowe, who was the head team physician for the University of Houston and then the Houston Texans and Rockets. And so we, you know, do a ton of um, high level ACL reconstructions. And so that was a big thing that drew me to Memorial as well. Gotcha. And then, so obviously you loved it enough to, you know, continue on and do a fellowship there. And it's a little bit different because it's in conjunction with University of Houston. So talk to us a little bit more about, you know, what made you want to continue on and do a fellowship and then more particularly why stay there? Yeah. So, um, you know, my dream um, eventually is to be a, a rehab coordinator at a professional or collegiate level. And um, I knew that getting my feet wet more into like, what is the full immersion of a college athletic system um, would really benefit me. And, um, you know, it was a great opportunity to be able to stay in Houston and, um, like most people, um, or unlike, excuse me, unlike most people our age going through residency and fellowship, I'm already married. I have a three-year-old daughter and I've already moved multiple times for school. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a family decision to be able to stay at Memorial. Um, that's the only place I applied to do a fellowship and was blessed enough to be able to stay here, um, and complete the fellowship. Um, and so that was the main reason for staying, but university of Houston offers an incredible, atmosphere on top of that. I mean, we're one of the top group of five football teams in the country. Last year, our basketball team went to the you know national championships of the final four. 
Um, our football team right now is currently 10 and one and, you know, ranks 24th in the country with, um, you know, the conference championship against Cincinnati looming. Like we have a lot of great opportunities at Houston and the ability to get in on a group of five level gave me the ability to get fully immersed. And I'm essentially just a, like another one of the staff members on the football um, sports medicine staff. I travel with the team. I do treatments all week during the weekends. I cover the events. Um, and so it, it's been a great opportunity to continue to learn and grow. College athletics is a machine and it's all about learning. How does the machine run? How do we keep this machine oiled and running smoothly? And so it's been a great, you know, learning experience from that side of it, being able to learn how this works and because that's, you know, information and things that I'm going to use for the rest of my career to be able to know how to how to run a sports medicine department. Um, obviously, I will continue to learn how to do that as I go, but it's a great foundation to uh, to build off of. Right. And so that actually leads me directly to my next question. Um, you said you want to be like a director of rehab or, you know, director of player health eventually. Um, so what are some different things that you've learned along your journey throughout residency or even, you know, fellowship that you know, that you think what you can carry on later into your career, you know, when you get those types of positions? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's it's management more so at, at that level. Most directors of rehab will tell you they don't get to do a whole lot of treatment anymore like they used to and would love to. Um, for me, I hope I continue to treat forever. Um, that's, that's my big passion is I love treating and getting people back to on the field. You know, they they don't want to be off the field in the first place. So getting them back is, is the big thing. But I think, um, you know, big thing that's taking away from the fellowship more so than the residency is the team approach. Um, when we walk into, you know, the athletics facility, we're constantly communicating with the team physicians. We're constantly communicating with the athletic trainers, constantly communicating with the strength conditioning coaches, and then communicating with the coaches themselves on how can we structure a rehab program that best fits this athlete to get them back on the field. Um, and just, you know, a brief example of that, we had a, a student athlete this summer who um, was a senior going into this year and unfortunately sustained a meniscus tear during the end of um, summer workouts leading into camp. And, you know, we, we thought that there was no way with this kid was going to be able to play senior year. And, um, we sat down and talked about it with him and made the plan to go ahead and have surgery. And from the surgery on, we all worked together, the PTs, the ATs, the surgeons, making sure we were all on the same page and progressed him accordingly based off his symptoms and based off of protocols and healing timeframes. But as a team, we were able to get that athlete already back on the field at 15 weeks post-surgery playing and he is, you know, being able to enjoy his senior last couple of games as a senior and be able to enjoy senior night running out on the team with his brothers. And that's exactly like why we do this. And that feeling of him running out and being able to do that showed me exactly why I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I think without the team approach and without that, you're not going to be able to get anywhere successful with these athletes. And so I think the taking this experience and using what I've learned about that is going to be the most beneficial thing you can take. And I think, you know, you tell or giving that story of getting that person back out there is like the reason why every PT does sports, because there's no like better feeling than helping someone kind of live what they want to do without any sort of hindrances. So what are some different things 
that obviously communication is a given amongst a larger sports medicine team, but what makes communication more effective or I guess a better, what defines like better communication when you're talking to physicians or team coaches or um, athletic trainers or even any other member of the sports medicine team, what defines like good communication? Yeah, I just think if everybody, you know, if you enter a room and you're telling you yourself or, you know, evaluating an athlete and you're telling him one thing and then he's going to the physician and maybe they're saying something different, they're going to the athletic trainer, maybe they say something different. It's you want to make sure that communication is all on the same page. And I think that's the biggest portion of this team approach is nothing is communicated until the to the athlete until everybody else has already communicated and knows what the plan is. And so, you know, with the strength staff, you know, we had him specifically with that athlete previously mentioned, you know, we had him back doing upper body workouts a week after surgery because we knew this was going to be a part of our plan. We didn't want him to lose any, you know, strength or power in his upper body, even though he can't put weight on his other extremity. So, you know, basically trying to make sure we're all on the same page and communicating with the athlete, hey, this is exactly what stage you're in. These coaches know what you can do and what you can't do. The athletic trainers know what you can and can't do. The coaches know what the expectations are. And we have a plan between me and the athlete of what we're going to work on to get him to meet his goals. So I think making sure that everybody's on the same page. If one thing gets out of page or out of whack, that you can easily lose that communication and lose faith from the athlete, lose faith from the coaches. So the best way to communicate with these guys is making sure everybody stays on the same page from day one. Um, so kind of speaking more broadly um, about your fellowship experience, what is the, or even your residency experience, what are some different challenges that you faced that you did not expect before, you know, going through those experiences? Is there anything that kind of caught you by surprise? Um, I wouldn't say anything that's necessarily caught me by surprise. Um, I think there unfortunately is in the world of sports, these barriers between athletic trainers and physical therapists. I think there's a lot of turf battles still looming. Um, I think that the younger generations of athletic trainers coming out, um, you know, understand a little better about how everybody works together and creates this team approach. Um, but unfortunately in, in this world that we live in, there still are some boundaries and turf wars had. And so kind of how can we navigate those better? How can we, um, work to, you know, encourage everybody to work as a team and continue to pursue that side of it, um, makes it, makes it better. There are those challenges, um, you know, that maybe some days we walk into that, you know, into the. Um, training room when I'm not there on a certain day and um, maybe the trainer told them one thing and that kind of goes against what I've been telling them. So then the athletes asking whether, hey, are you right or are they right? And it doesn't matter who's right. It's just, you know, we want to make sure that we're doing the best to stay together on it. And if we're trying to go from it from two different angles and trying to almost battle it out of who's more right than nobody ever gets anywhere where they want to go. So I think the biggest thing that's still out there is, is, is that side of it. And I think just constantly educating um, everyone, myself included, and taking feedback from the trainers and the trainers taking feedback from us so that we can work together. It's going to 
continue the trajectory positively for these athletes and for the future of sports medicine, just to make everybody better, not just one person better as an athlete, but as clinicians, we're going to both get better by working together. Right. And that, that message has been kind of like harped on all throughout the different episodes of podcasts that I've learned or, you know, different people I've talked to that communication between like athletic trainers and PTs and other sports medicine team members is that our end goal should just be to help the athlete and, you know, not wage, you know, whose, whose toes are we stepping on or is this my territory? Is this your territory? When in reality, all we should be focusing on is the outcomes of the athlete. Um, 100% athlete comes first. You know, now that you've been in sports PT for a while now, has your viewpoint of the field shifted since you entered the, since you entered, like has anything, whether it be you watching games like on Saturday, like on your couch or anything else, has that shifted perspective wise since you've been working in sports PT? Um, I don't know that it's changed. I wish I had Saturdays to sit and watch football. I'm not going to lie that that hasn't happened in a while. Um, and it, you know, it won't for a little bit, but you know, I wouldn't say perspective. I think it, you find it interesting kind of on a lighter side of things. Like you find it interesting when you do have that ability to sit and watch games and you watch injuries happen, unfortunate injuries happen on the field. You watch how other people manage those injuries. And I think for, for sports medicine, you know, staff, we're, we're constantly watching and learning. And I think being able to observe how other people are handling things, um, makes it better. I wouldn't say that my mindset has shifted. Um, you know, I've always come in with the mindset of you work hard, you know, you push to excel and you do whatever you can to make the athletes better. And that, you know, we can, we could go on about how, you know, we want to remain evidence-based with everything. And, you know, that definitely try to do that with all of my athletes to give them the most evidence-based research but some days you know what it's just empty the clip give them whatever they need to feel better you know as much as it goes against my grain to to do modalities you know what some days those kids just need modalities and you know what you know we give them what they can um and you know what at the end of the day did it hurt them any no i mean did it potentially make them better maybe maybe not but we're we're basically creating relationships and, um, you know, without a relationship with the athlete, without their trust in you, we get nowhere. And so I think from that side of things, my my mindset has always been the same. The athlete first, everything else will fall into place. Um, and so that's the kind of the way I, I, you know, have envisioned my career and the way I can will continue to push it, it. It's all about the athlete. Right. And I think that mindset is, is very tough especially for me, you know, I'm a young, a new clinician. And sometimes like, I don't really practice manual therapy, but sometimes there's patients that, you know, that that's what they want and they think that's going to make them better. And who am I to say that it's not going to help them feel better in that particular day? You know, even though it goes against what I might want to practice when in reality, like, like we talked about earlier, like patient and athlete centered outcome is, is the like end goal overall, rather than did I do what I wanted to do? So kind of a more broad, uh, big picture question. What are some characteristics of a good sports PT? You mentioned you want to be a director of rehab. So you have, you're looking to hire a PT. What are some different characteristics that you would look for in someone that you're willing to hire? Yeah. I mean, I mean, big things is you got to be hardworking. And I think any sports PT will tell you that they're 
they may not always be the smartest. And I will always say that I'm not the smartest in person in the room. Um, but I will try my best to outwork you. And I think so somebody that's hardworking, somebody that's dedicated. Sports PT is a grueling, grueling career if you were working in full-time athletics, not just clinic work. I mean, for example, the fellowship is, I mean, I'm putting in 60 plus, sometimes 70 plus hours a week at the training room and then still have um, my clinic work that I try to put in and then still working on research and stuff, other things that I'm, you know, obligated to. So you've got to remain dedicated. You got to know what your end goal is. Um, and somebody that's driven to, to do that and somebody, you know, it's almost going to say, Hey, nothing's going to stand in my way. Um, you know, I, I kind of had that mindset would have been, um, told no before in, in my life, been rejected before in my life. And those things are, you don't say no, you say, okay, well, that was one that I didn't get. What's to the next one. Um, and so somebody that's willing to put in the work, somebody that's going to remain dedicated no matter what, and somebody that's accountable. If you can't trust the person and know that, hey, at, when we open the clinic doors at 530 in the morning, if they're not there, then you can't trust that they're going to be there. And so you got to be able to have faith that, hey, they're going to show up when they need to show up and be ready to go. Um, and you can trust them on trips to do their responsibilities and you can trust them when um, unfortunate injuries that happen, you can have the faith that they're going to be able to be there with you. So, and, and perform their, um, prospective roles. So I think hard work, dedication, driven, accountable, those are my big ones. And, um, you know, I will, those are the things that I hold to myself. If I'm not those things, I can't hold them to anybody else. And so I will never ask anybody to do anything that I myself won't do first. And, um, so, those are the things I hold myself to and I'll hold others to it as well. And I like your answer because it would be easy to say, you know, the person has to have, you know, be very good at evaluations, be good at treatments, have creative interventions. But those are like different characteristics that no matter your skill level or experience level that you can kind of take into your practice and, you know, continue to work on because those are, you know, easy skills that don't require CEUs or any sort of type of education. Yeah, you can teach anybody to be a good clinician. You can't teach aspects of hard work. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I want to go a little bit more broad picture. So even during your time in residency or fellowship, what are some things that you would sell someone that's a prospective UH resident or fellow? What are some different things that you would sell? Yeah. So first off, we'll just start with the residency. Um, for the residency itself, um, for Ironman Sports Medicine in Houston, they go through um, a really good process of figuring out who they want to be residents. And there's five different spots that you can fill. Um, we have five different Ironman Sports Medicine locations around the Houston area. And each one is tailored to um, usually the whichever experience the resident is after. Um, you know, every single one is tied to a big time high school. Every single one of them is tied to some kind of collegiate experience or professional experience. We have one location that does a little bit more with professional. Um, and then every location has the opportunity to be mentored by somewhere between 20 and 30 different credentialed therapists around the area. So you won't just be mentored by people in your clinic. You will be mentored by outside people. You'll have the opportunity to travel to other clinics to be mentored by those clinicians. 
you'll have ample opportunity to do a lot of surgeon collaboration, um, be in surgery, be outside of surgery, do surgical or do uh, MD rounds with them on patients, see how they examine, see how they evaluate and grow those relationships. You'll have a great opportunity to build relationships with athletic trainers around the city. You'll have opportunities to take part in, um, you know, event coverage that's outside of the normal sports. You can cover professional boxing. You can professional um, MMA. You can cover Ironman events, which is where we get our name, marathons. You can cover um, gymnastics stuff. I mean, we have opportunities that go above and beyond any other residency, in my opinion. And I think the thing that sold me on the residency in the beginning was this huge family atmosphere. I'm a South Mississippi boy. Family is number one thing. And when you roll up into Memorial Hermann, you're going to get a, a firm handshake. You're probably going to get a hug. You're going to get a how you doing. And you're going to become family with every single person in the program. And, um, you know, I think every resident that's been through it would agree with that. And um, I think all the ones that are currently in our residency would agree with that as well. When it comes to the fellowship, man, you're going to get opportunity to, to be with one of the top um, group of five colleges in the nation. Um, and they just signed a contract to become Big 12. So they're becoming a power five. So you're going to have an opportunity to expand with this school. More funds are coming in. We're getting ready to build a brand new football facility with new training room, new strength room. You got a great fan base that's loyal and dedicated to Houston athletics and people are pumped up to, to cheer on the Cougs. Um, basketball program, as everybody knows, is up on the rise um, and everything around Houston is booming. Um, the opportunity to be at the University of Houston is probably one of the best experiences that you can have coming up. And, um, you know, I'm blessed to be here. I'm super excited to be at University of Houston. Um, I think it's going to continue my career forward. Um, and I just encourage people to, to reach out, apply. If they have any questions, feel free to, to contact me. Would love to, to chat about the opportunities we have here. Um, you know, it's, it's great from the, the people you're going to be with to the information you're going to learn. And always tell people, you know, yeah, you'll come out. You'll be a fantastic clinician. You're going to do great things and you're going to know great things. But you're going to become a great person and you're going to be able to have relationships that are going to last forever. You're going to have mentors that you can call on any time of day. And um, they're always going to be there for you, no matter if it's clinical or non-clinical. So, you know, I can't sell it any more than that. I think it's an outstanding experience. Yeah, I don't know if you need to sell it any more than that. That was great. I think that was like the best sales pitch if, uh, for Ironman, you know, Ironman Herman and University of Houston's uh, residency and fellowship programs. All right, I got a couple more questions for you, and then we'll get you out of here. Um, kind of walk us through a day in the life of what it's like to be a D1 sports fellow. And I'm sure your days are very different, you know, depending if it's a Monday or if it's a game day, but kind of a general day in the life for you. Yeah, so I'll just – I'll give a general day. Um, so we'll go on a – I'll go on a, for a Wednesday just because that's a full day that I'm at the school. So – Wednesdays, um, I usually arrive to the training room at about 5.45, 6 o'clock in the morning <clears throat> and fill out um, my treatment programs for some of my long-term guys, um, guys that have had surgeries or guys that are um, a medical red shirt or something like that that, um, you know, that I'm in care for. I'll fill out their programs for the day. 
Um, then at about seven o'clock, we have physician rounding where our physicians and surgeons come in um, and we do medical rounding on all of the guys that need care um, to, or just check-ins, um, whether it's post-op or just something that's happened overnight, maybe an illness, um, but we'll always be a part of those. Um, and then from about 8.30 to about lunch, we're doing um, treatments um, on random guys coming throughout the day. Um, and then afternoon, about one o'clock, we start taping. Um, we tape ankles, um, usually takes about an hour. And then I um, am, in, am in charge of running hydration testing. So we do urine analysis on all of our football players before practice to make sure they're hydrated before practice. Um, and so we do that during that hour as well. And then they're in team meetings and during team meetings, athletic training, sports medicine staff is getting together and just going over what, how the day went, how everybody's looking. Can this guy practice this evening? Can this guy not? What do we want to do? Do we want to change anything? Um, and then during that time, we'll have the meeting with the coaches to let them know where we're at. Um, and then we have practice um, generally that evening that lasts anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours. Um, and then we'll come back in. And we'll do uh, any kind of treatments that they need um, before they get out of there. And then we'll have um, dinner with the team um, that night. And then that'll conclude the day somewhere between 730, 8 o'clock at night. Um, and then that'll kind of be it. For game day, it's a little different. So um, depending on if it's home or away, um, I'll just kind of go off this past weekend where we played the University of Memphis. Um so we had an 8, 8 p.m. kickoff. Um, and so essentially the team is at the team hotel um, the night before. And um, so two sports medicine staff go to the hotel and are doing treatments in the morning and caring for any guys that, you know, need anything in the mornings. Um, and then the other two are headed to the stadium and generally get the stadium set up and help the students guide that process of where everything needs to be making sure all of the tape decks are ready um, because we have two separate training rooms, one at our stadium and one not. And so we move everything to our training room um, at the stadium. And so make sure all that's prepared, make sure that all the guys braces or special paddings are ready to go in their lockers um, or anything that needs to go attached to their pads are done with the equipment crew. Um, and then kickoff. Yeah. We're, you know, getting ready for just to bearing down and hopefully no injuries happen. Um, you know, unfortunately, this past weekend, we did have to spine board and that's an unfortunate circumstance, but we all have our roles and duties. Um, we, you know, for myself, I am in charge of when offense is on the field. I'm covering defensive bench and like helping with any wounds or anything that's going on, any cramping that may be hope coming on, I'm kind of rolling through that and then flip flop with offense when um, defense is on the field. I'm kind of manning for offense. Anytime that we have to go into the tent with a physician, I'm with the physician um, making sure, you know, if they need any IVs or whatever we're doing inside the tent that um, just kind of assisting with them. Um, and then, you know, that's really kind of how game day goes. After the game, we will meet with the with the surgeons or the doctors if anybody got hurt to kind of do post game check in and make a plan for the next day. Um, and then we wrap up and can be anywhere, you know, it's long nights. Sometimes we get out at one, sometimes we get out at two o'clock in the morning, but, um, you know, making sure that everything's cleaned up and ready to go for the next day. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's great Two great, uh, different views, you know, clinic day versus, or I guess treatment day versus game day. Uh, you know, a great day in the life for what it's like to be you. 
Um, so do you have a favorite memory of your time working at, you know, an Ironman Memorial or University of Houston throughout your residency or fellowship? Anything that sticks out in particular? Um, I think for me, um, my passion has, um, has always been baseball. And so kind of going back to last year, part of residency, since baseball hasn't happened yet with the University of Houston, um, you know, was able to um, help out with another smaller Division One university here in Houston last year for baseball and was able to travel with them um, everywhere and get to work with those guys. And with those guys, it's or with those teams, it's a little bit smaller teams than a football team. And you can just build close relationships with all the guys on the team. And we had a, a trip where we got to go to an SEC school for we got to play Texas A&M and and, you know, unfortunately we lost, but we, you know, had a, a heck of a good time on the bus ride. And cause that was one of the short ones that we got to take a bus and just the memory of just hanging out with those guys and just building those relationships and just goofing off. It's not being on the sports medicine staff isn't always about treating the kids. Maybe it's just having fun and, and creating, creating those relationships. And, um, you know, those relationships have lasted. Those kids still reach out to me now and have, um, unfortunately a couple of them in the clinic. Um, now that, you know, I've sustained injuries during summer league, but, um, you know, building those relationships with them and, you know, you become part of the family and, and that, that's the best experience for, for anybody working in athletics is just building those relationships. Right. Especially those patients that you you're with most of the, like more are more often, you know, getting to know who they are outside of their, their diagnosis is one of the best things. And I think why everyone does PT. Um, so last question, for sure. for you. yeah, last question for you, Connor, what is, um, a piece of advice you would give to anybody that is an aspiring sports PT at any sort of level undergraduate they're in PT school or, you know, early career professional, or if they're even considering sports PT as a career. Yeah, I would say reach out to people who you want to be like, if there's somebody out there that you want to be like, and you know, Hey, somebody's position that you want to one day have reach out to them and learn about that position, learn what they did to get there. Um, you know, soak up that experience, soak up the experiences that you're in now. You know, a lot of people are always looking for the next step. And I know we all get caught in that. Where can we, where are we going next? Sometimes you just got to soak up where you are, be a sponge in every situation, be a sponge with every mentor you ever work with. Everybody's got something to bring to the table and do and different and unique. And you will soaking it in will make you a better clinician, a better person. Um, and, you know, building those connections and networking will, you know, get you to where you want to go. It's not always what you know, it's who you know, and, and, you know, building relationships first. And then you, as you continue to grow with those relationships, you'll become a better clinician by just learning from what they've learned all through their career. Right. And I think that's great advice that, you know, I will definitely try to, you know, take into my career. Um, but Connor, you know, I really appreciate it. You, you have like one of the most hectic schedules. I think I've heard of any, any guests working, you know, 12 hour days and then multiple hour days on, on game days. And then on top of that, doing research and then actually being a fellow. So I really appreciate you carving out a couple of, you know, you know, 45, 35 minutes to chat with us and give a lot of great advice, not even just PT advice, but great life advice for anybody that wants to, you know, be a sports PT. Yeah, absolutely. And any ever need anything, feel free to reach out. And anybody that's listening to the podcast today, feel free to reach out. Um, would love to chat with you. Would love to kind of network with you and continue to grow. PT is a, uh, you know, it's a very small field when you look at it. There's not that many of us out there. So 
continuing to grow and network with each other makes makes everything better. So appreciate you having me on and, you know, look forward to collaborating with you uh, in the future. All right. And this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Huge thank you to Connor Galloway for taking some time out of his busy schedule to come on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Connor talked to us about his journey through residency and fellowship and what it's like to work with a D1 sports team. If you liked what you heard or want to hear more from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.